right, all right. Day 59. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. A graveyard awaits me. Surely mockers surround me and my eyes must gaze at their rebellion. If you listen yesterday, we ended off talking about the fact that we need corrective lenses. We don't need uh, uh, people to obstruct our view. We don't need to obstruct our own view, but we need someone to correct it. And we pray and ask for the Lord for help to do that in the midst of life's difficult circumstances. We all hear this, regardless of where we are, where we come from, how smart we are, how much we've experienced, how, how long we've walked with the Lord. We are all working from a limited perspective as we keep saying over and over again. And as we pick back up, we have Job still in the middle of one of his responses. And the words you heard at the beginning of the podcast were that of hopelessness. And that's primarily what chapter 17 of Job is about, right? Part of the reason Job doesn't feel hopeful is because his friends aren't helpful, right? They continue to accuse, to rebuke, to reprimand, and they say things that should have been kept to themselves, right? And Job talks about his spirit, the very inner life of a person, and he says it is broken. And if you skip down a few verses to verse seven, he says, my eyes have grown dim from grief and my whole body has become but a shadow. And he doesn't just feel this in his spirit. He feels it in his body. He doesn't just feel it inwardly. He feels he feels it outwardly in his eyes. Right. And hopelessness is hiding out and it's hurting him. And this just goes to show that the literal hear this, the literal loss of hope can have psychological and physiological effects. And there has been so much research done, obviously, in the 21st century about this kind of stuff. And um, man, it just goes to show that we are bodies and souls, right? And hopelessness indeed destroys the whole person. And you know, the worst part about it is that it doesn't just affect him psychologically. It doesn't just affect him physiologically, but it affects him spiritually. And look what he says in verse six. He has made me an object of scorn to the people. I have become a man people spit at. Notice who he made the subject of the sentence. God. More than anything else, the loss of hope doesn't just see God as one who is gone, but one who is guilty. And when suffering is thick and suffocating and sweltering, we begin to blame things on him. And so he asks, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Uh, many, one thing that um, scholars will say about the book of Job is um, a, a central question is where can wisdom be found? And I think that if we read, I think that as we've read, we see that, right? Like we're trying to figure out like, yo, where can we really find wisdom? But I think another question that this text is asking and that Job is asking that we're all asking in life is where can hope be found, right? And chapter 18 comes along and we see that Job is frustrated with God and his friends are still frustrated with him, right? And in verse two, Bildad is basically like, bro, why are you acting like you ain't got no sense, <laughs> right? When you start talking, when you start talking like you got some sense, then we can talk, right? And Bildad is one who insults his friend when he should be consoling him, 
right? And again, this goes to show that, yo, as we have said over and over, this book plays plays on and deals with this principle of retributive retributive theology. And retributive theology is defined as this idea that the righteous will prosper and the wicked will suffer, simply put. And the corollary being that if someone suffers, they're wicked. And if someone prospers, they're righteous. Right. However, as we've said in the podcast, we know that God is more complex, more nuanced than this. Right. He is relational, not mechanical. He is uh, complex in this complex world and he can't be put in a neat, tidy box. So in some senses, um, you know, because this is such a common thought amongst the people of the ancient Near East and the time period therein, we realize that Job's friends and also Job in some cases are men of their time, meaning that in 21st century language, right, they imbibe things that were cultural and not always biblical, right? Like, or maybe partially biblical because Proverbs does uh, show us this kind of theology. But again, there's more to it than that. It is, it is, um, as, as Packer, J.R. Packer would say, it is a half truth, right? Masquerading as a whole truth that then becomes a whole lie. And this is why your view of God is so important, though, um, because we can tell people wrong things or maybe even, yeah, incomplete things and unnuanced things about God that can prove to provide more discomfort than comfort. In Job 19, Job 19 comes and Job is like, fam, I'm getting beat up with words, right? And the irony here is that when Job talks about, you know, even if I did sin, right, this is still no way to treat us, treat such a person, right? And the Bible is working on so many levels here. And as Christians, we know that at some point in time, we would just not, we would not just have to walk with folks through their own suffering, but also through their own sin. And we can do more harm than good when we hurt more than we help, when we make them feel worse than they already do. And what the goal hear this the goal of walking with people through suffering man is to come with pillows for those who are vulnerable and not arrows right pillows not arrows and you know as he continues to express himself it's this feeling he has as if god is apathetic right as if god is being ignored and not only that he even talks about the ways in which his family his friends his servants all seem to have abandoned him, right? He speaks of a type of social isolation instead of just a spiritual one, right? And as people that are made for fellowship and community, we know, right, in the midst of a pandemic that, like, <laughs> this is a type of death as well. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, maybe you've experienced this, right, where there's been uh, something you've went to went through that was so life-altering, so afflicting, that it ruptured the various human relationships that you have. Friends stop coming by. Family doesn't reach out like they used to. People start to maybe lose respect or admiration or fondness of you. And it's painful. And we see here that, um, you know, Job experienced this centuries, millennia before you and I. And God was caring for and holding him just as he is you and I. And one of the things I love about this chapter as it goes on is that the book leaves a glimmers of hope, right? The book in, in many parts, and we haven't emphasized them, but it leaves glimmers of hope, right? And Job, even in the midst of all of this, has this small flicker of faith. He says this, but I know that my redeemer lives. And at the end, he will stand on the dust. 
even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger. My heart longs within me. It's remarkable that Job would say something like this, and he definitely had to speak uh, more than he knew, but he did speak truly, right? That his redeemer, that the God of Israel uh, lives and that he would see him. And for Job to say this about God says a ton about Job, but it says even more about God, right? And this was enough to keep him right that god is the true and living god and our future regardless of our present is with him and underneath all the doubt underneath all of the heart and soul ache there's this flicker of faith a small light a wick in a dark and cloudy storm of life right god won't break a bruised reed and he won't put out a smoldering wick right so if you're listening to this today and you're frustrated with god and you're frustrated with your circumstances and you're frustrated with your friends or your family. Keep that small flicker of faith. The goal is to hold on to that in the midst of the winds and the storms of life that want to snuff it out. And in chapter 20, Zophar comes back and he's preaching to the choir, right? He basically comes hard at Job, speaking of the fate of the wicked, right? Don't you know that ever since antiquity, from the time a human was placed on earth, the joy of the wicked has been brief and the happiness of the godless has lasted only a moment. Basically, the happiness of the wicked is short-lived and they're living with a short hourglass until their destruction, right? And what's what's funny though is, again, um, he's chatting, right? He's just talking, right? And Job is sharp, right? Job is already knowing this, right? And Again, true statements, but Zophar is shooting a loaded gun in the wrong direction, right? And if Job's faith depended on his friends, he'd be through. But thank God that the little flicker of hope that he did express was in Yahweh, his redeemer, the God of Israel, whom he knew he would see with his own eyes. The one he couldn't see now, but he knew lived. He is the one who helped him persevere through what he could see as he lived. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us the grace to know that you live and that that will help us to persevere through what we are living through. We ask that you would give us grace to do this today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.